Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 383 for Tuesday, the 20th of January, 2015. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. Good to have you here. Nice to see so many familiar faces in the chat room and a couple people who haven't been around lately and a few new people as well. We're going to say hello to you in, uh, in a little bit's time. Uh, tonight, though, we've got a fairly packed show for you. We're going to be speaking with Kelly Lasseline from Memories of Me. Uh, Hillary's actually over in the interview studio right now getting ready for that interview. Uh, we're going to be talking about the digital time capsule service that, uh, that Kelly has launched in order to give us a way to reach out to those that we love uh, should something happen to us uh, in the event of a tragedy. Um, Sasha's in Jamaica tonight, um, so we, through the magic of television, are able to throw it over to her. Sasha, in the newsroom, hey! <laughs> hi, Robbie. Hi, Hillary. Awesome here in Jamaica. This is a delicious drink. All right. Here's what's coming up in the Category 5.TV newsroom. The City of Munich has joined the Document Foundation Advisory Board. Linux Mint has announced that a new PC in its Mintbox line of PCs is coming in the spring, the Mintbox Mini. Google is ending its sales of its Google Glass eyewear. German researchers have built shoe-sized devices that harvest power from the act of walking. Two major retailers in Canada are calling it quits. This week in Canada, installing computer programs without consent, consent became a civil offense punishable by fines. And one of the most glorious near misses in the history of British exploration, Beacon 2, has been found. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. Krista Wells. Eric Kidd. And your host, Robbie Ferguson. Five Technology TV. Thanks for being here tonight. Uh, first of all, I'm not used to be. You're way over there. How are you, Hill? I'm wonderful. We can hear her. We can't can see me. her, you but there see. you go. She's here. Uh, we're going to be throwing over to her in just a couple of minutes' time. Uh, Category Five TV is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. Check them out. Cat Five TV slash TPN. Also, the American Association of Internet. Uh, no, the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. We're worldwide. What am I talking about? Uh, it's cat5.tv slash IAIB. Don't forget as well, check out our mobile website. Oh, going to have to get over here so it doesn't clown on the face. M.cat5.tv. Scan that code, or you can also just visit it on Safari, on your iDevice, or on Chrome, on your Android device. Or on that little browser thing on, uh, on your Blackberry. Thing. So check it out, M.cat5.tv. Big changes to our Roku feed this week. You know that uh, last week we had some questions come in about the, uh, the ability to watch the live feed on the Roku platform. Now, of 
course, that's something that we really are pushing toward because that's a device that is an exceptional set-top box for launching your favorite shows online. Uh, so we've taken the liberty of making some big changes to the Roku feed. If you're on a Roku device tonight watching live, please uh, let us know in the chat room, Category 5 on Freenode or directly through our website. Let us know how the quality is for the live feed. Now, we understand that on demand, if you're watching the videos after the fact, they look just fine, but it's the, that live feed that we're working on tonight. So thanks, everybody, for kind of being our little bed of testers slash guinea pigs. We appreciate that very much. So a topic that uh, is really tough to talk about, um, a topic that is, uh, you know, everybody, we, we have the sense of our own mortality, uh, and sometimes it's, you know, there comes a point in our lives where we really have to start thinking about, you know, what should happen, what will happen if I'm to leave this earth. And uh, while it's a topic that uh, is rather sensitive, um, so, you know, if you have young kids watching uh, in the room with you, perhaps this is something, you know, that they don't want to really think about mom and dad uh, in this particular scenario. So um, it's a sensitive topic, but it's something that we do need to discuss when technology arrives that allows us to reach out to those that we love should something happen to us. Um, so Hillary Rumble is uh, speaking with Kelly Lasseline from Memories of Me tonight. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit back and let you ladies uh, discuss this wonderful awesome. service that Kelly has introduced. Well, hello, viewers. Thank you for joining us. We are here with Kelly Lasseline, the president of Memories of Me. So Memories of Me is an online service that provides individuals with the opportunity to, to leave behind messages and, and um, special mementos for loved ones to receive after their passing. So it is an uncomfortable subject for some of us, and we want to be sensitive um, to this, but we're also interested to hear more about Memories of Me. So Kelly, can you tell us um, a little bit more about the service and what you do? Absolutely. Uh, the whole idea actually uh, got started when my own father passed away. Uh, during his eulogy, I actually wrote a, a Dear Dad letter to my father, mm -hmm. and I talked about you know, the different memories that we had. And uh, I started wondering, you know, if my father had written a letter to me, would he perhaps remind me of the time that we played golf and we got caught in the lightning storm? <laughs> would he tell me how he wanted me to take care of uh, my mother, his wife of 45 years? Or would he perhaps have a little pearl of wisdom that he would like to share? So that's sort of how the idea was born. And I thought, you know, this is an opportunity that people... Uh, before they pass, they can store messages like that. So mm. just imagine for a moment if you come home from um, maybe your mother or father's funeral, you know, uh, should they pass someday, unfortunately. But getting home and maybe a week later you receive this joyful message uh, mm. from a parent or a family member or a loved one, just how uplifting and, and how warm it would feel to hear from them mm. just one last time. That would be very special. What a neat idea and... Uh, a unique, a unique service. I've never heard of anything like this before. Mm -hmm. How does the, the service actually work? How does one go about getting connected with you? Oh, it's actually very easy. Uh, you log on to the website, memoriesofme.ca, and you can register for free. It only takes a, a few minutes. Uh, you register a username and a password, and you can type out the message that you want to share, share with the recipients. So you actually... Um, start a letter. Mm. Each letter you can send off to five uh, recipients, that one letter, and you can also upload a photo that you'd like to send with it. Oh, okay. Wow, that seems very easy. I actually did try making an account, and it took like two seconds, so yeah, it's very user-friendly. Excellent, excellent. That way. So why would people perhaps use a service like Memories of Me, 
versus handwriting a letter and hiding it in the drawer of their desk or <laughs> that sort of thing? That, that's a great question. And actually, I've heard of story after story of people who do um, have a handwritten letter, but people move, letters get forgotten, mm-hmm. uh, houses unfortunately burn down or they succumb to accidents and the letter can be lost. Uh, I also checked in the idea of maybe a safety deposit box because you could always put your letter or your items into a safety deposit box. But even a safety deposit box, I mean, they charge a monthly fee. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you use the example of a 30-year-old who plans on being around to the age 100, then you have 70 uh, more years times 12 months a year, which adds up to thousands and thousands of dollars. So we're a very (laughs) viable and uh, actually a very... um, cheap alternative for people who want to send their 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 final thoughts and memories mm, yeah. interesting so you mentioned before that people can um send one letter up to, f- to five people um is there an option to write multiple letters absolutely multiple absolutely people? uh you can buy as many letters as you like really uh the first letter that you purchase is a uh, hundred dollars and you can send it up to five recipients each additional letter that you purchase is $10 less. So your first letter is $100, your second letter is $90, and your third letter is $80, and so on. Oh, okay. So maybe I send one letter, and I want to send it to my five closest friends. That might be my first letter. Mm-hmm. On my second letter, I have four children. So I might purchase a second letter and send it off to just my four children. Right. Because quite often, the letter that you send to your friends will differ from the letter that you send to your children oh, or your sure. spouse. Yeah. For sure. The yeah. content would differ for each relationship you've had um, over the lifetime so yeah that's a cool option and every letter that you write you have the option to upload a a photo and send it off to those recipients as well okay so how do you ensure that people receive the letters and how do you i guess verify that someone has indeed passed and it is time to send the letters absolutely well that's a great question Uh, built into the website is a notifier System. So when you uh, have an account with Memories of Me, you will ask somebody to notify us of your death. So okay. the easiest people to notify or have notify is, you know, a good friend of yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also have your lawyer who does your will mm-hmm. or your POA. You can slip a little notice into that file, ask them to keep it there. And then when they open up that file to distribute your estate, they see the letter and they'll notify us. Or also if you're the sort of, sort of individual who pre-plans their funeral, you can mm-hmm. leave the letter with your funeral part with your funeral and they will notify us that you passed we recommend that you have at least two people to notify us just so we can be sure right now we'll verify that you have in fact passed by calling the funeral home where your arrangements are being done or checking with the newspaper and uh, once your death notice has been published we know it's safe to to release the messages so in the event of say like an untimely death um you weren't anticipating um hopefully family members would be able to access that individual's email to see that they've registered or if they hadn't made the arrangements prior like to let the right channels know i suppose absolutely well the the bottom line it is important if you decide to utilize memories of me that you have somebody to notify Mm -hmm. us and we can make sure that your messages get safely off to the recipients very wise and just to rewind a little bit, um, how long have you been doing this for? Well, uh, I actually started about a year ago. Oh, uh, wow. I had the idea. I did some brainstorming. Mm-hmm. I had a few focus groups with uh, different people in the community that might want to use the service. Also with some complimentary businesses such as 
funeral homes, <clears throat> senior services, mm-hmm. and just, just to see what they're feeling, what their feedback was. And it was all, all very positive because it's quite a unique service that hasn't yes. really been done. It's very unique. I, I know I have never heard of anything like this before. We're actually talking with Kelly Lasseline from Memories of Me, an online service, um, like a digital time capsule um, to send messages to your loved ones after their passing. So if you want to check out um, her website in particular, it's memoriesofme.ca, but you can check out our site, cat5.tv slash mom, M-O-M, Memories of Me, and uh, that can direct you as well if you're interested in checking it out and uh, having a peek. It's a very user-friendly site. I have checked it out myself. I've signed up. Very easy, very cool, unique idea. So I have a question. Some of us who are watching are fairly tech-savvy users. What would you suggest for those who are not so internet-savvy, like, say, my grandma or grandpa, that sort of thing? Um, How should they proceed? Maybe working with a, a loved one who's more... Absolutely. <laughs> they can maybe if they know of somebody else who has also set up an account with uh, Memories of Me, they can get their assistant. Um, I know I'm pretty tech savvy myself, but if I need some help, I always go to my daughter, who's a teenager. <laughs> That's always an option. Um, if you have any questions, right on the site, there's a contact us form. Oh, perfect. And there's also a one eight hundred number, so we'd be we'd be happy to help with any questions or concerns you have. Yeah. Very good. Very cool. Um, so when a letter is, th- these letters are typed, mm-hmm. they're not handwritten and scanned, they're like a typed email, um, your database stores them and then sends them out via email or prints them and sends it as a letter? Or yes. How does that work? Yes. Uh, once we are notified of somebody's death, we would of course verify it uh, before we mm-hmm. send any emails out and it would be sent out via email. Um, and yeah. As I'm sitting here, I can imagine, you know, somebody at their computer that might be just a little bit startled to see that all of a sudden they open up their email. So, in fact, there would be uh, a little bit of a caveat. So if you open up your email um, after somebody had passed, you would get a message that states you have a letter for you from Memories of Me, and there'd be an opportunity for them to click on a button oh, to see it. Okay. So they have a moment to think about, you know, who's, who's this loved one that's passed? Do I want to see this or mm-hmm. not? Mm-hmm. No, that's a good... Um that's a really good idea because mm-hmm. that would be potentially very shocking to receive it could an email. Be. It could be, yeah. So the, the email reads from memories of me. Initially, yes. And then the option to open it. Mm. Actually, you know what? In my, uh, my chats, it, uh, it was suggested to me another really good use for the letters is for information. When my father passed away, it would have been nice if I had received a letter from him. But now I only have one surviving spouse, of course, my mother. And uh, it was recently suggested to me that that would be a great way for them to disseminate information. Uh, The average Internet user has, what, 20 or 30 different usernames and Mm -hmm. passwords. Um, So that's the sort of things that you could include in a letter. My mother, for her part, I don't even know what bank she banks at. So it's a great opportunity for her to tell me which bank she's with, maybe what her account number is, her passwords. Maybe she could tell me the name and telephone of her accountant. There's there's no end of information that she could share with us, um, like me and my sister, of course, her Mm -hmm. other daughter, um, after she's passed. That's another useful letter that could be written. That's actually a good idea. But one thing that comes up to me is is in terms of like security. So like if someone is saying all this personal information, how like do you ever see a letter? Like you just see a file that comes to you. You would never 
see the content? Well, actually, there is a, there is a rather lengthy uh, terms of use and service. And um, in a nutshell, you have to be 18 years old or older to use the service. Mm-hmm. And you cannot say anything that is harmful or malicious in content. content. So there is a point where we would uh, go through the information and make sure that there's nothing malicious before we sent uh, the documents out. Okay. Yeah. And then in terms of storage, because I know some of our techie friends are probably wondering, like, could I hack? Could people hack into your site? Could people, like, the tech aspect of the storage of that information? Well, um, I'm going to try and do my IT <laughs> provider some justice here and try and to explain it in my non-tech version as best as possible. Uh, but we have an SSL certificate. It is a secure website. And uh, I know that he worked very, very hard to make sure that <laughs> the the password, uh, I, I, I think I'm saying this right, that it changes. It sort of morphs every time somebody logs in. So it cannot be hacked into. It's virtually it's impossible to hack into. There you go. That's. I know you're all wondering. This is sensitive information, and not even just like you know bank account or whatever potentially, but like heartfelt things, and and you wouldn't want people to compromise that. So Absolutely. Can I, I interject over here yes, at the Bobby. at the other what are you desk? Thinking? The the reason I want to interject is because I I'm a little bit more technically knowledgeable about this kind of thing, That's and, true. and I had Thanks. the opportunity. <laughs> Well, when uh, when Hillary signed up for the service, I was given the opportunity to actually um, see the content of the transaction as far as the databasing goes. And what Memories of Me is using is a crypt- cryptographically sound algorithm that is based on each individual user's account. So uh, the way I understand it is that, for example, if somebody were able to compromise your your account by, say, knowing your password... Um, that password cannot be used to access anything else within the system. So what that means from a hacker standpoint, if I may interject, is that if a hacker were to compromise their database, they would not be able to decrypt any of the information that is stored cryptographically in the database because they don't have the decryption keys. Um, I didn't get to see all that, but there are multiple decryption keys, one of which is specific to the user account whose data is being encrypted. So... (laughs) From what I could see, uh, it's very uh, well thought out and probably better than most banks and certainly Sony Pictures. <laughs> Sony Pictures could learn a couple of things from you guys. That's all I have to say. Well, there Thanks. you go. Thank you, Robbie, for clarifying that because I know people are you – know, we're always hypersensitive and aware of things that could go wrong. So, anyways, that is good news. You guys are good to go. Very secure site. Um, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> um, I have another question, actually. I noticed on your site you have um, three local charities listed um, with the option of the user to donate, I forget what you said, 5%? 5% of the proceeds of the sale to that particular mm-hmm. charity, yes. Which I think is a really cool idea. I was just wondering, potentially, um, in the future, is there a way for other charities to try to opt in to your service and... Absolutely. Yeah. No, Memories of Me wants to be a good corporate citizen. So we do believe in giving back to those charities for which perhaps somebody has passed from. Uh, I believe the charities include uh, the Breast Cancer Society of Canada, Alzheimer's, and there's one more. Um, Gilda's Club. Gilda's Club, that's correct. Thank Mm -hmm. you. The Hospice Care. Um, If there are other charities that would like to be recognized on our website, we'd be happy to post uh, their logo and have uh, a percentage of the proceeds go to their charity. Because uh, we, we, want to, we want to be good corporate citizens and we would like to help stamp out some of these awful diseases that lead to some people's uh, death. Mm, great idea. I 
I think that's an excellent idea. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> um, are there any other tidbits you think people should know about your site on why choose you over? Well, I, again, it's like a unique service. I've never heard of anything like this before. Um, do you have any last minute thoughts you want to throw out there? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. I, I, I think if you look at this standpoint from cost alone, if you're cost minded, uh, you should know that a safety deposit box over the course of, well, if I'm a 30-year-old and I want to live to 100, Mm -hmm. another seven years of a safety deposit box is going to cost me a lot of money. Uh, There are websites that are a little bit similar to ours, but a little more macabre, maybe in nature, that have tried it, and they charge a subscription base. Mm -hmm. And again, 70 years of my life times 12 months a year, that's 840 months, times even as low as $3. It's it's a lot more than we are. yeah, so, and, and we'll take care of you if you sign up with Memories of Me. Um, I would love for users, if they do nothing else, um, when they go onto the website, if you would please check out the uh, the slideshow and maybe give you a, a flavor of the kind of joy and happiness that we would like to to share with your, your family and friends. Yeah, Robbie's just pulling up the website here. I just saw a little sneak peek of that. So, yeah, definitely check out their site, memoriesofme.ca, and you can find out more information by checking out cat5.tv slash mommemoriesofme. Thank you, Kelly, for joining us and for sharing um, a bit of your passion and um, a great idea for us to explore. Thank you for so much future. for having me. Back to you, Robbie. Thanks, Hillary. Thanks, Kelly. This is Category 5 Technology TV, and thank you for joining us tonight. www.category5.tv. Hey, we've got lots of viewer questions uh, that are over here waiting for Hillary. Uh, we're going to go through the mailbag in just a couple minutes' time. Uh, but as Hillary makes her way back to the uh, the studio desk, we're going to throw over to uh, to Sasha, who is in Jamaica tonight. Hey, Sasha. It's Tuesday, January 20th, 2015, and here are the stories we're covering this week. The German city of Munich wants to help shape the future of LibreOffice, so they've joined the Document Foundation Advisory Board. The Mintbox Mini has doubled the performance of its predecessor and will fit in your pocket. Goodbye, Google Glass. We barely knew ya. Imagine being able to generate power by walking. That's what's being developed by a team of German researchers who plan to use the technology to power self-lacing shoes. Target is closing all its Canadian stores, not even two years after moving here. Canadian anti-spam laws have made it illegal for programs to auto-update without your consent. And the British-built Mars rover sent to Mars in search of signs of alien life was set to land and never heard from again. Now, 11 years later, NASA's got eyes on its whereabouts. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Introducing Belltone First, a revolutionary new hearing aid. So small you can hardly see it. So comfortable you can hardly feel it. For the first time ever, you can control hearing aids directly from your iPhone. Pick up the phone. Listen to music and use your hearing aids like wireless headphones. Hear everything that matters. Try Belltone first. For a free trial, call 1 800 Belltone now. I'm Sasha Dermatis, and here are the top stories from the Category5.tv newsroom. The city of Munich has joined the Document Foundation Advisory Board. Germany's third largest city has a long history of using open source software, much of it well documented. 
More than 16,000 PCs of public employees run the open source Linux Linux operating system, and the city makes heavy use of LibreOffice and its open file formats. The role of the advisory board is to provide the document foundation with feedback on how the software is being used, what features or improvements need to be made, providing assistance in initiatives, community projects and marketing, and providing donations to further development and outreach. Companies pay an annual fee as a member of the board, the exact cost of which varies depending on contribution and the number of employees, with fees starting at $5,000 and topping out at $20,000. As a heavy user of the LibreOffice productivity suite, the City of Munich's contributions will be invaluable in helping to guide the project towards even greater usability. That is great news, Robbie. My goodness. Who knows what it'll bring? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Good Linux awesomeness. (laughs) Now, more Linux awesomeness. Linux Mint has announced that a new PC in its Mintbox line of PCs is coming in the spring. The Mintbox Mini. The new box continues the distro's long-standing partnership with Israeli computer manufacturer CompuLab, which began with the release of the original Mintbox PC back in 2012. That was followed the year after by the more powerful Mintbox 2, a device which sold out in Europe on its Amazon debut last year. The Mintbox Mini is five times smaller than the original Mintbox and is barely an inch tall. Like the previous editions, the new model is fanless, with the case design working as a passive cooling system. Previous Mintbox models had a very distinctive look, but if we can be critical of anything with the Mintbox Mini, it's the utilitarian design. It looks like a little DSL modem wearing an aluminum shed. (laughs) That said, something this tiny is going to be easy to hide away if you want. The Mintbox Mini offers twice the performance of the Mintbox 2 in a form factor you could slip into a pocket. Inside, it touts an AMD A4 6400T CPU, which is a 1 GHz 64-bit and boasts 4 cores. It also has a Radeon R3 GPU, 4 GB RAM, and a 64 GB solid-state hard drive. Wow. That is a lot, Robbie. Yeah, I'll say. That could make a li- nice little web server, if you ask me. With those kind of specs, you could host a website on that. It'd be screaming fast, let alone what else you could do with it as a desktop. But yeah. I slip it into your pocket. Nice. I just love how absolutely tiny it is. And they don't use a lot of power, too, right? You think about the fact that this thing, you think, I, I think in terms of web servers and things like that and services, and, but the amount of power that a, a full-size server uses versus a little solid-state device with not even a moving part. Yeah. How how excellent. And then one of the problems with servers is if they overheat, right? So if it's that small, it's got to be easy to keep cool. You would think. Passive. It's aluminum. So it's like a heat sink, right? So it, it, um, what's a comparison? I guess uh, if you've seen the inside of a computer, you've seen a heat sink. But like chips will have like an aluminum fin on it that draws the heat away from the chip, right? Yeah. So the whole computer is based on that kind of passive cooling system. Works pretty good. That is awesome. The Mintbox Mini will be $295 when sold to the U.S. and £295 shipped in Europe. Not bad. A portion of the sales will go to supporting Linux Mint and cover the cost of the whopping five-year warranty. Since these are going to be sold five years, wow. Five years. Wow. Whopping five years. Since these are going to be sold on Amazon, we should add these to the shop.category5.tv. 
So if you want one, once they're available, why don't we do that? That would be great. That Maybe I like could get one and review it for my show. There you go. <laughs> Perfect little device for try it. By. Yes. Google is ending sales of its Google Glass eyewear. The company insists it is still committed to launching the smart glasses as a consumer product, but it will stop producing glass in its present form. Instead, it will focus on future versions of glass with work carried out by different divisions than before. The Explorer program, which gave software developers the chance to buy glass for um, $1,500 or £990, will close. The program was launched in the United States in 2013. It was then opened up to anyone and was launched in the UK last summer. It has been expected that it would be followed by a reasonably be followed reasonably quickly by a full consumer launch. But from next week, the search firm will stop taking orders for the product, but it says it will continue to support companies that are using glass. The things learned from glass will be used in the development of yet to be announced future products from Google. Several companies have launched smart glasses and various other forms of wearable technology, but no single product has yet proved to be a major hit that technology companies are looking for as they seek out the next big thing. Google has tried to present this announcement just as another step of the ev- evolution of amazing innovation, but make no mistake, Google Glass is dead, at least in its present form. I'm not really upset about this because yeah. I wasn't all that impressed by Google Glass, True. to be honest. But if you had spent the money to buy one, thinking that it was going to evolve into a, a more popular project, mm-hmm. and then it's basically dead... I would like wearable technology that put people around you at ease. Because people wearing Google Glass or even people wearing like a a watch that takes pictures or video yeah. makes me feel really uncomfortable. Like as soon as I see somebody with one of those watches on, I think to myself, oh, are you recording this conversation? Right. And I never had a conversation with somebody with Google Glass on, but I'm pretty sure that I would feel like they were, you know, recording me. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and it's kind of one of those things. It's like the Bluetooth headset. It was a fad Mm -hmm. and you've got to wear it. But then you realize that, okay, don't wear it all the time. Don't wear it all the time. And Google Glass is is no exception to that rule. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I just, I I serve people that wear the Bluetooth earpiece and I have a really hard time when they're kind of looking off knowing whether or not they're actually. (laughs) Can I tell you, can I tell you a story? Not to digress, but I was in the shopping center and you know, I'm, I'm an outgoing guy and I don't mind, you know, conversing with strangers and stuff. And this lady was walking by and she was talking away and I, I said, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What, what did you say? Something like that. And she says, oh, this idiot just started talking to me randomly. <laughs> and she's talking on this Bluetooth. She's just walking around with a Bluetooth headset. And there, it's just like, come on. There was a commercial really? about that, about people in a, in a grocery store having exactly oh, yes? that awkward interaction <laughs> that happened to you actually in It real actually life. happened to Robbie. So this is why Google Glass is like a near hit, but a miss. <laughs> so here's a great invention that I would like as a waitress. German researchers have built shoe-sized devices that harvest power from the act of walking. The technology could be used to power wearable electronic sensors without the need for batteries. There are two separate devices, a shock harvester that generates power when the heel strikes the ground and a swing harvester that produces power when the foot is swinging. Both energy harvesting devices generate power by exploiting the motion between magnets and coils. 
As the magnetic field of a moving magnet passes by the stationary coil, a voltage is induced and an electric current is generated. The energy they generate is still relatively small in the 3 to 4 milliwatt range at their peak. That's not nearly enough to charge a smartphone, for example, which would, would, t- would typically require about 2,000 milliwatts, but it is enough to power small sensors and transmitters, opening up a range of new applications. So I wonder what sort of applications you could have on something that like small energy-wise. You couldn't charge a smartphone, but maybe you could monitor a heartbeat. Or something? I oh don't yeah, know. maybe eh? like something mm-hmm. like pacemakers or things, like, or yeah, monitoring. Yes. Stuff, uh, fitness. Some, exactly. Stuff. Uh, I use the word stuff because I don't know the technical term for these uh, fitness <laughs> stuff. stuff. I don't. You know you the don't fitness, know fitness stuff. stuff I don't know anything about fitness stuff. Come on, but uh, you know what? I at the cottage we've got a flashlight with one of those magnet with the coils, mm-hmm. and you shake the flashlight. And it charges the battery, and then you turn it on, and you've got your flashlight. And you don't ever have to replace the batteries on, on the flashlight. So it makes sense, right? But you know what actually makes sense, to be honest, that in mind, is if you had like a little light on the bottom of these shoes that when you were uh-huh. creating energy, instead of having one of, you know, joggers at night, they have to wear all of those oh, right, reflective right, right. doodads. Yeah. So if you had... Look like if, robots, like, we say to the kids. The kids, we joke that they, yeah. if you're a runner, you look like a robot. Yeah, and if you're wear- <laughs> like the kids' old flashy shoes, right? But if you had something that sensed when it was dark, then it yeah. could, you know, alert. Anyway, Think of those flashy is- shoes, though. My kids have those flashy shoes, and once the batteries are dead, they're garbage. Right. As far as the flashing goes, because to kids, that's important. So if it stops flashing, it's no longer any good. So something like this, all of a sudden, it is able to self-charge. Right. How perfect is that? So this is, this is the information. This is what they're going to do with this new technology. Clevis Yuli from HSGIMIT, a research center in Germany, said the swing harvester was developed with the intention of making a self-lacing shoe for the elderly. Way to go, Marty McFly. Yeah, way to go. The shoe would detect when a user stepped into it and lace itself up, as well as open up again when required. Hopefully. The harvesting device would generate the energy for the closing mechanism. Details of the advance are outlined in the journal Smart Materials and Structures. This is just really positive, great use of new technology. I love it. It's so simple, eh? And it's something that we've been waiting for for some time from Back to the Future. Self-lacing shoes. And you think, oh, that's lazy. But no, for the elderly, that's yeah. perfect. Or somebody with like a real bad like back bad injury. Back. I, that's or, what I'm thinking. When yeah, I think it, you mobility know, issues in any way. Mm-hmm. Right? So not just Very the elderly, but even, you know... Sports injuries and stuff. And stuff. And stuff. See, I know all about sports injuries. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Canada, two major retailers are calling it quits in Canada. Target Canada announced on January 15th that it will close 133 stores across Canada. The U.S. based retailer launched in Canada in March 2013 to high expectations. Unfortunately, due to numerous problems, such as higher prices and less selection in Canada than the U.S., it never established itself in the Canadian market. Due to higher prices and less less stock? Yes. You know what? If I can just say, one of the problems that I had with Target coming into Canada is that they bought Zellers, which is a a chain that we grew up with, and they shut them all down. Mm -hmm. And people were out of work. So it really felt like the U.S. coming in and shutting down our stores. So 
I don't think it's about stock and those kinds of things so much as boycott. maybe a, a, an unspoken boycott of everyone who loved the H, uh, like the uh, Hudson's Bay Company Zeller right. stores. Right. Okay. So here's a funny story about how passionate and um, patriotic I was young when I was younger. So okay. we had a fairly well-known American big box store move into Barrie, and I boycotted it for nah, four years or maybe even five after it moved in. And um, I sort of similarly did the same thing with Target. I thought to myself, eh, it's American. I can just go down the street and get all my stuff from... And then I realized that I have become so used to shopping at Walmart (laughs) (laughs) that I've now turned it Canadian in my head. Sure. And (laughs) don't don't get us wrong. It has nothing to do with... America yeah. or United no. States or anything like that. It has to do with the business practice of annexing companies and shutting them down, putting their people exactly. out of work. Like my uh, people who are close to me, family and, and friends who had worked with Zellers for so many years, all of a sudden losing their work after, after so many years of faithful service with the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It has nothing to do with the American companies. It has to do with, you know, losing the Canadian exactly. ones. Exactly, yeah. Consequently, the company lost about $2 billion over two years. The, closure mean, the closures mean 18,000 employees will lose their jobs. Many of Target's locations were formerly Zeller's stores. See? There you go. Meanwhile, Sony Canada also announced it will shut down all its stores over the next six to eight weeks. It has 14 stores with three of them in the Lower Mainland. I'm surprised they're that small. Sony used to be, like the Sony store was a a big deal way Mm -hmm. back in the day. It's true. Yeah. um, But I can't remember, like I can't think of the last time I was in a Sony store, which is funny. I guess they must have been pairing back slowly. It's hard when you're you're a brand, Mm -hmm. when you're a specific brand. If, If... like think of any brand and say let's open a store that is specific to that brand mm-hmm. meanwhile it's a premium priced brand mm-hmm. and everything you know you go to a big box store where there are 10 different brands to choose from and you can choose based on quality and price mm-hmm. versus walking into a store where everything is one brand and you have no say in the price mm-hmm. or the selection the japan based company has not released a statement explaining why the stores are being closed The closures were announced in the wake of the much-publicized Sony Entertainment hack linked to the release of the Vancouver-shot film, The Interview. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) All right. So, who knows? Maybe The Interview caused Sony to... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that there's actually any relation with Sony Pictures. Yeah. I don't know. All right. This week in Canada, installing computer programs without consent became a civil offense punishable by fines. Under the new regulations that form part of Canada's anti-spam legislation, it is now illegal for a website to automatically install software on a visitor's computer or an app on your phone with, um, to be updated without first obtaining express consent from the owner or another authorized party. Hmm. That's good. I think that's great. Yeah. I mean, except that if you're going to be sort of malicious anyhow, you're probably not going to listen to the rule that you ought not to be. You know? You know what I'm saying? Like, But I suppose if there are fines, then the hope is that they're going to be able to crack down on it. But how many of these websites that are distributing software, which is going to be malicious if it's installing itself without its permission, without your permission anyways, who else would do that but malicious users? 
how many of them are based in Canada and subject to our Canadian laws, yeah. right? Hmm. They're not Canadian websites, most likely. Right. Does it really have an impact? But it might just set the ball rolling, right? Yeah. The updated rules are designed to protect Canadians from the most damaging and deceptive form of spam and online threats without interfering with legitimate businesses. The revised rules are targeting nuances such as adware on PCs and rogue apps on smartphones. False or misleading representations of products or services are also prohibited under the new regulations. Canadians are encouraged to report suspected violations of Canada's anti-spam laws to the Spam Reporting Center at fightspam.gc.ca. You have a place to go. Finally, a place to go to report it. I wonder if this, would this have any bearing on, say, Facebook, and you're using the Facebook app, and you click on messages, and it says, you need to have such and such app, but I guess if you consent and say, okay, Mm -hmm. and if you don't, then you don't get the the ability to send messages. Mm -hmm. So I guess, what good is it? (laughs) Really? (laughs) It's, It's all just legislation of people who are not actually users who don't understand the technology and how it works. And they say, oh, it looks good on paper. You have to consent to install this stuff, but it really does nothing. People blindly consent to things all the time anyhow. I know when I watch people download apps... They just they don't even read through what they're agreeing to, and oh they just consent. Oh, my goodness. Pages so. and pages of it. Exactly. Yeah. All the good stuff is hidden in the fine print. All right. One of the most glorious near misses in the history of British exploration, Beacon 2, has been found. The British-built Beacon 2 began its fall to Mars on December 19, 2003. It was expected to land on the red planet on Christmas Day and began its search for alien life. And begin its search for alien life. But it was never heard from again. Ah, the aliens may have found it. <laughs> <laughs> now, high-resolution images snapped over the last two years by NASA's Mars Reconnaissance, Reconnaissance Orbiter shows the probe essentially to just where it ought to be within three miles of its target landing location. It also appears intact. Good job. So what happened? <laughs> the, theory based, the theory based on the images is that one or two of the probe's four pedals holding the solar panels did not deploy. Mission manager Professor Mark Sims says, without full deployment, there would have been no way we could have communicated with it as the radio frequency antenna was under the solar panels. That's unfortunate. I wonder if the antenna was not placed under the panels, whether or not even without the panels, there could have been communication. There must have been a reason. Like it's protecting it or something, like a shell. Yeah. And then it's supposed to open up, but it didn't open up. So yeah. the antenna couldn't pop up. It's too of bad. All the fails, eh? Like there's a, oh. an epic fail, as Oop. the kids say. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> While the probe can't be brought back to life, Professor Sims claims this is not the end of the story. They plan to do more imaging and analysis, but since the probe is intact, the team can be proud that they, in fact, were the first to successfully penetrate Mars's atmosphere and land on Mars, even if they couldn't continue from there. So congratulations and way to go. You've done it. <laughs> yeah, the NASA website says that it was a failed mission, but technically, technically, uh, based on a technicality, you yeah. landed on Mars. Yeah, it's completely, completely not failed. Congratulations. You, you get a 50. 50, 50. Yeah. Well, you got all the way there. You landed. You got yeah. through the atmosphere. Way That's to go. true. A for effort. That's an accomplishment for sure. <laughs> for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the Category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. 
For the Category 5.TV newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis, enjoying the sun in Jamaica. <laughs> Thanks, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV. You'll find us online at www.category5.tv. Hello! I'm Robbie Ferguson. I'm Hillary Rumble. Hey, world. Here we are. We're at our desk now, and what a show, eh? It's been Some a kinda... great show, busy show. Fun, fun, fun. Lots nice to on. see so many people in the chat room. I was saying to the chat room there, uh, as Sasha was telling us the news, uh, because Roku is still experiencing some little glitches mm-hmm. here and there, and we're working on that. We really, really, really love you, Roku and <laughs> Roku users. We want to make this as good as possible. So if you're watching live on a Roku, stick around for about 15 minutes after the show, and I'm going to stick around with you. We're going to have a little after show party, mm-hmm. which is really just me tweaking set- settings and uh, you're going to be my, my guinea pigs and we're going to see if we can get this thing licked all right so join me in the chat room category five on Freenode and uh, fire up the live feed on your roku and we'll be able to hopefully hopefully work this out and next week we'll hear good reports right of course mm. perfect that would be terrific it would be <laughs> <laughs> thanks for your monotonous uh, input there that would be terrific it would be do you know what else is terrific? What is it? Answering people's questions. I love it. It makes them happy and it makes us happy knowing that we can help you. First question coming to us from Strager. Hey, Strager. Is there a way to embed a YouTube channel's upload feed on a website using PHP? Embed? A YouTube channel's uploads feed on a website using PHP. Nice. That's a great question. It is a great That's question. That's an interesting question. Let's and we've tackle been, it. We've been doing a little bit of programming on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting about this question is what he's asking for specifically is a server-side way to bring in YouTube. So we're mm-hmm. not talking jQuery or YouTube embeds or anything like that. We're talking about actually pulling it into PHP on the server and then you can do whatever you want with it because it's <laughs> server side, right? So you can generate embed codes. You can generate whatever you like. Should we try to t- tackle this? We've Let's got uh, about uh, well, 14 minutes to the show. So if I can yeah, do this can do in it. 14 minutes, then I am basically the champion. I'd say. <laughs> what do you the think? Champion of the world right here. <laughs> champion. If there was only a song for that. That was not copywritten. Hmm. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, Hill. All right, I'm All right. ready. I'm I have, ready for you. I have officially jumped into my temp folder, so that's great. Watch PHP dash dash version. I've got PHP installed. Awesome. So I can use this as a test bed, so we don't have to do anything else. All right. So uh, let's go touch uh, my file dot php. Okay, so we've just created a file called myfile.php. Let's edit it. We're going to do this in the terminal. Ha-ha, how do you like that? I'm using the nano text editor because I love how it has colorizations and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to create a file that does stuff. So, hey, hi, there you go. I've created the file. I've saved it by hitting Control-O. You can... Whatever you can use a text editor, you can use, you could upload it to a server and use it however you want to do it. I'm just doing it this way because it's fun and it's really really fast. Watch this. PHP myfile.php. Hi, it says. Now if I, because uh, that's what I told it to do. If I add a PHP end of line there, 
it'll actually wrap the, the line. Okay, so we know that PHP is working on my system. I can mm-hmm. start working on stuff. So what do we need to do? We need to look at the, uh, the output of the YouTube uh, API, the Application Programming Interface. Ooh. API. API. All right, so let's do it. So how do we do that? Uh, well, we'll go to Google. And we'll do a quick search for YouTube API add video. Or, uh, no, we don't want to add video. We want to look at the user's videos. User's video. Video feed types, second option there. Okay, here you go. There's the link. It's easier just to use Google. Okay, videos uploaded by a specific user. We're going to use the API to get that. And you'll see that it gives you this URL for the uh, JSON or XML response. So if I copy that URL and paste it into my browser and then change user ID to the user ID of the user that I want, so let's say Category 5 TV, now we get this disgusting output (laughs) of... Now, this is not a JSON output. You notice that? It's XML. It is. But how can you tell? Because it's just such a, it's minified. It's sloppy crazy. So co- I've copied that to my clipboard, control A, control C. Then I'm going to go back to Google and I'm just going to go uh, XML prettifier. Prettification? Prettification is a oh. word that we use to make something pretty. Who knew? It's like making it pretty. So uh, first option that comes up is XML Beautifier. That sounds good. Uh, Let's paste our XML into there because that's gibberish and impossible to read. And let's beautify it. Any beautifier or prettifier will work. But you see what that did? Oh, yeah. As it cleaned it up, we can see the, okay, yeah, that's obviously nice, clean XML now. So you see now that we've done that, that it did load Category 5 Technology TV. Oh, cool. Right? And if I scroll down, you'll start to see episodes of Category 5 TV. There's episode number 382, Viewer Question Extravaganza. It's got the description, it's got the files, it's got the links, it's got everything, right? How cool is that? That is cool. PHP, uh, at least some of the the newer versions, includes um, access to uh, Mm. creating DOM objects, which is fantastic. I don't want to go into what, you know, (laughs) the technicality of what that means, but basically simplifies... Mm -hmm the ability to pull data from other websites, hmm. especially through XML, because that's what the, the DOM is, is going to be doing. So what we're going to do is we're going to now, now that we know that the API is, is able to generate this yes. XML output, we're going to take this into PHP and do something with all this data. Yeah. Look at it all, right? That's basically all our there. shows. That's and our life. It, it is. Right there. Is this real life? Okay, so you see that there's my URL for the API, and all I had to do was just paste in Category 5 TV over user ID. That was so easy. I'm going to copy that to my clipboard. I'm going to go back to Nano, and I'm going to create a new string called $URL, and in apostrophe brackets. I'm going to paste in that URL and end it with an apostrophe semicolon. Do not fear. I will upload the source code for this to the web and you will have access to it through the (laughs) show notes of episode number 383. Okay. 
carriage returns. So now what do I? So now I've got the URL that we know contains the XML output of the YouTube API for the Category Five TV channel. Now we want to actually load it into the DOM. So first we have to create a DOM object. So we're going to go. I'm going to call it RSS, and that is going to become our object. Now we're going to go new DOM, all lowercase document semicolon. Okay, so we've just created a DOM document in the object RSS. Now we're going to actually load the feed. So we go dollar sign RSS, and then what are we going to do? We're going to load dollar sign URL. So we're loading the data from that XML output from YouTube. Nice and easy, right? So now let's create an array. We're going to call this one our feed, and we're going to uh, say that this is just an empty array because we need to define the, that array so that we don't generate any errors. And let's loop through now that we know that RSS is now, you know, containing the information. I'm not sure, but if I do this, let's see what happens. Yeah. So see that? Mm -hmm. It's outputted to the terminal because I, I printed RSS to the screen. So just so that you can see that that's the same data, I've loaded it in. Okay, now feed is just an empty array, and the reason for that is because we're going to create an array that is going to contain all the data from that DOM object. Hmm. Ooh, it sounds so fancy, but do you see how easy it is, right? On the screen, like, don't, don't let the words that I speak throw you off. Look at the screen. It is so simple. So simple. Look at that. It sounds fandangled. But it's actually really easy. So let's now we've already learned about for each. So we're going to do a for each loop, right? That's a loop, and we're going to loop through RSS, right? We want to go through, and we want to use the the DOM command get elements. If I can type and talk at the same time, get elements by tag name. Now, this is important. We need to know what are we actually looping through. So we go back to our prettified source code here. You won't have to do this step because I'm going to do it right now, and I'm going to have the answer for you. It's going to nice. be the same for any feed that you look at. Uh, what we want to go through is the, uh, the uh, ID entry. Okay? So that's the actual uh, the tag name is called entry, and then that is going to be one video. Oh, I did it. I did it. And if I scroll down, you'll see the end of the entry mm -hmm. and then another entry. And this is another video. This is 381 now. Oh, cool. And if I scroll down, it's going to close that entry and open another entry. And that one is now 380. Hmm. Okay. So we're, we're going to loop through the tag name entry in the DOM. Okay. Back to our code here. So, that, so that's why I needed to find that out. Now that we know it, we're going to say entry. Okay, so that's what we're going to go through. Make sure that I've got my syntax right. Looks good. And we're going to call this node. So we're defining, we're saying, okay, as we loop through, we're going to put the data into an object called node. So now let's actually create our feed item. We're going to say dollar sign item equals array like that. And I'm just kind of spacing things out in nano so that it makes sense. And I'm going to call this um, title, right? And so I'm going to actually create that from the node of this, of this object. So I'm going to say dollar sign $node. Remember, I'm looping through. So node for every episode is going to contain that episode's data. So I'm going to say node get, we've already learned this, elements by tag name. Remember what that does? It's the 
It's things. the element by the tag name, yeah. right? It's pretty straightforward Makes speech. Makes sense. That's, what do you want to do? Get can, the element I by tag name? That. that makes sense. Okay, so let's find out what the tag name is. In our entry, we want to grab the title because that's what I'm creating, right? So, oh, <laughs> it's title. That's easy. Easy. Okay, back to our editor. Title. Title. <laughs> it's French. It's, uh, we oh, are from okay. Can- Canadian, so title. <laughs> we'll fix it so it says title because that will actually not cause a syntax error. Now, this is where things get kind of weird. You've got to say item zero because we want to define which item of the result we want to post, and there is only one, and one, the first item in PHP is always zero. Hmm. Counting doesn't start at one. It starts at zero, so the first item is item zero. Okay, and then we're going to use the node value of that no, I'm in an array, so I don't put a semicolon. So the node value that I am pulling from all this is going to be assigned to title in the item array. Okay, so now if at the end of this I go and I say print r dollar sign item, notice I've created feed, but I haven't assigned anything to it yet. Let's clear my screen here. Clear command. Oh, clear there. Uh, that's why it didn't work. My file.php. Okay. So did you see that it's 358 securing WordPress is what printr dollar sign item is? And that's because it ran after the for each. So it's the last one. Okay. Okay. If I put that in, inside the loop, it would output a whole bunch of them. So we, we just did that to test and make sure that item works. Oops. Okay. Next line. Now let's say we want to grab the URL because that's important to us, mm-hmm. right? Oh. <laughs> what am I doing? Sorry, I hit delete by accident. There we go. Because remember, we're creating an array here. So the value of this array is title and URL. Those are the keys. And now we're going to go dollar sign node. We learned this. Get elements by tag name. How much time we got, Hill? Are we doing okay? We got about two minutes. Two minutes. So you better wrap this up, Robbie. <laughs> I better do I'm, this. I'm checking the time Better here. get it done. All right. So what's the link? What's the link? Uh, there it is. Link. Can I just use link? Let's try it. It has a bunch of them. Can I just pull one? Let's see. Let us check. Link. Item. Zero. No value. Okay, outside of that, print r dollar sign item and exit parse error URL. What did I do? Oh, forgot a comma. Oh, Robbie. I know, I know. Punctuation saves lives. It could. Definitely could. <laughs> oh, boy. This is intense. Yeah, we, we don't have time to really uh, pull <laughs> all the information that we want to do, but you can see where I'm going with it, yes, right? Yes, I see where you're going. And this is a viewer question, and I will I gladly finish this code. But what I, can, what I wanted to do, what I was hoping to do, I'm just going to pull it back and just say, okay, we're going to get the title. So I've demonstrated, yes, yes, you can grab it so through PHP. Okay. In that loop, we need to now assign dollar sign item to feed dollar sign feed right we already created that array but how do we do that i i need to actually um i need to actually set that up right 
Let's pull it up. I just want to get my syntax correct. Yeah, no worries. We're good. Are we? Well, Are we, really? we could go all night. <laughs> <laughs> really, who's going to stop us? The okay. viewers love it. They're eagerly waiting to see what's going on here. So no worries. We're good. Okay. Print our dollar sign feed. Mm -hmm. Notice what I did is I did an array push of dollar sign item into dollar sign feed. Beauty. So what that does is it just appends over and over and over again. So now my array contains all that stuff. So you can see with PHP now I'm going to be able to pull that data. I can then parse it. I'm going to figure, you know, you mm -hmm. can you know, get the URL, get the video file, whatever you want from the data. We're completely out of time. That was an awesome question. I love it. <laughs> really good question. And I hope that I've been at least able to demonstrate, yeah, this is doable. Yeah, it might take a little bit of tweaking here and there and, and figuring out the XML structure and what tag names to use, uh, especially when you've got the rel, uh, the various rels for each tag. Um, so we'll, we'll work our way through those. But, but. Cool. Have fun. Happy programming. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. And phew. Great time tonight. Nice to see you. And thank you so much for being here tonight. For the slice. I think people should send in more questions. More fun stuff for okay. us to do address, it. Eh? So keep them coming. Send us emails. You like to receive emails? I love emails. She loves emails, people. Yeah, Live it. at category5.tv if you want to send an email. Mm -hmm. Get it into us. Your questions are always welcome. We love to hear from you. Uh, and uh, don't forget to stick around after the show tonight if you're on Roku Live. We're going to test this thing. Crazy. <laughs> All right. All righty. Thanks, Hill. Great job with the interview tonight. That was very well Good done. Show. And thank you, Adam, Good for time. being here and all the work that you do. And thank you at home for watching the show. Thanks for being here. And I hope that you have a fantastic week. Don't forget to check out our website, category5.tv, and all the wonderful things that we're doing there. Register if you haven't already done so. See you next Tuesday. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.